Hi everybody, my name is Jimmy Carroll. I'm the Vice President of Operations at Tech B2B Marketing here at day two of SPIE for Tides West 2024. And I have the pleasure of being joined by Ray Horry of Concurrent EDA. Ray, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course, and also I'm joined by my colleague, John Lewis. So, uh, so Ray, um, for those who don't know, could you tell the audience a little bit about Concurrent EDA and, and what you guys do there? Sure. So for the past 17 years, we've been taking algorithms and moving them into FPGAs. So methods of, of compute and moving them to FPGAs, and FPGAs are field programmable gate arrays that enable you to do compute. And we've evolved with the chips and the technology, and now it's system on a chip, and so it's hardware, software, all in a, a nice package. And we embed that into cameras as well as devices. Okay, cool. So I, I've got some follow-up questions both about FPGAs and processing in general, but um, I want to talk about AI because it's, it's everywhere. Right? Of course, absolutely. Literally and figuratively uh, with marketing hype and um, industrial world and, and you know, consumer side. It was maybe, and we were talking about this yesterday, John, um, it was maybe sometime around Vision Stuttgart 2016, yeah. Uh, where, where the AI hype cycle and specifically deep learning really took yeah. off and it was being touted as maybe something it's it's not right <laughs> it's magic it's going to solve everything um, but these days deep learning has has sort of settled in mm -hmm. as a very useful tool that that helps augment existing computer vision machine vision systems uh, for a number of different ways in a number of different ways um, so I'm just curious from your perspective what are some ways that you've seen your customers and you know friends in the industry use AI in, in their applications? Sure. And if we think about AI, there, there's like, well, what does that exactly mean, right? So I think of AI as as putting compute and, and extracting features and, and characteristics from the image in real time. So from our perspective, AI is artificial intelligence, it's something that we can embed in computers that help us make decisions, filter down that data. So for example, if you have a high-speed camera and you want to capture all the data and you want to do processing on it, if, if that, that is really a fire hose of data and you have to filter it. Otherwise, you're going to put it into disk, which means you've got lots of disks, and then you're going to wait a while and then you're going to process it. So with compute, we've got to move it towards the edge. And AI is a, a great way to do that. There's a bunch of methods people have done to classify images, always oh, this a defect is just not a defect. So we see that moving into the cameras. Hmm. John, I don't want to monopolize, but if you had. Yeah, I was just curious. I've heard of uh, you know, techniques where you're combining, like say, deep learning with uh, traditional machine vision yeah, tools. You know, for example, uh, uh, mining a scratch or a dent in a, the, the surface finish of a piece of metal, like right. a stamped component or a polished component. And, and, and you know, it's hard to quantify what that dent or scratch looks like right. with traditional tools, but with AI or deep learning, you can you can identify it, flag it, and then you can maybe go to a traditional gauging tool or you know and measure it and see if it's you know too big or too small. Right. Small enough, maybe it's not a fail or a flawed product and if it's too big then it would be it. Do is there a, a way uh, on these new edge chips where you can combine the traditional tools with the AI, or are they handled on separate chips? Yeah, so this is where, where things are getting interesting, because right now we're at 28 nanometer, right? That's the size of the transistor. And now we're going four times smaller to, to seven nanometer. And we've gone from FPGAs to now we're calling adaptive compute devices. And they're like, so, you know, 
FPGAs are dead, long live the FPGAs. We just call them adaptive compute devices right now because they're not just glue logic. They're not just sensor interface to camera interface. Now we have like, thousands, thousands of compute cores inside the chip that we can do processing with. Mm. And can we do everything inside the chip? Maybe, maybe not, but it depends on what you're trying to do. But as the resolutions get bigger, we have to get that, that fire hose of data down to something that's reasonable, even so that big hunking GPU can handle it. So there's always gonna be some edge filtering, processing, finding the scratch, yeah. right? We can do convolutions, which is a way of looking at uh, the regions of pixels and extracting features, and then say, ah, I found something and filter that data, so we're filtering the key features and then sending it to the more complex AI back on the PC. But if we don't do that, you can't handle it on the back end. <laughs> uh, Ray, you mentioned GPUs, and, and that's something I wanted to ask about. So there's been a lot of developments there, particularly from you know NVIDIA with Jetson becoming so popular. And GPUs might get a lot of the love when it comes to you know AI processing at the edge, but what are some other options out there? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, GPUs are, are, are great when they're in a computer and they have lots of cores and they have consume lots of power. And Jetson is a, is a method to get it to the edge, but from a, a ops per watt perspective, FPGAs and these adaptive compute devices are, are far superior. There's like, there's no comparison. So if you look at, at compute per watt, FPGAs are dominant. And where you get a Jetson, you've got a few cores in it, and that's good, and they're easy to use, but they're gonna be hotter, they're not gonna give you as much. It, it, it has its niche, but if you really want the compute power, you've gotta to go to you know a, an adaptive compute device, and, and AMD is pushing that this next year, that's what you're gonna hear this year. This, this year's AMD is out of them, is AI, 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 and inside of these adaptive compute devices, they're called Versal, there are AI engines. Mm. And so they go from, you've got 50 AI engines to you've got 400 AI engines in the FPGA, the adaptive compute, plus two cores, plus the transceivers. So everything that you really need, taken from the PC, moving it to the edge, it's getting there. So it, maybe this is just my perception, and if I'm wrong, please do correct me. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like, best way to phrase it, that why are GPUs seemingly so popular and why aren't, why aren't these FPGAs being deployed more? Is it because of the difficulty of VHDL programming? And if so, what could people do? Right, yeah. Uh, so the, the, those are accurate. GPUs are, are really widely available. There's an actual programming language. It's a variation of C++. And so you can program it and you can get used to it. And, and they've, they've extracted parallelism. So they have all this parallel processing they can do, essentially a bunch of threads and, and on the data. And, and it's programming. And we've done GPU programs. And we, we do that as a service. So primarily we're a services organization. We have a few product lines, but we really like taking those algorithms moving to the edge. Mm -hmm. So it's a pain. <laughs> Let me just be, be straight up. It, it, it's a, the tools are getting better, and we have something called high-level synthesis, which means we can write in a variation of C code, C code with some pragmas, low-level, but we can extract this, the parallelism. We can write it in this high-level language, with C, but with, with parallelism in it, 
Um, and we can actually get down to the to the chip. So so there's a lots of things we can do there, but there's also layers now coming with the FPGAs that are making it easier as well. Uh, I, I don't want to ask too many questions in a row, John, but if you don't mind, <laughs> I just want to ask, if, if, will, will chips like this, like the ones from AMD or the ones that are out there now, will that, or has that, um, enabled people to push AI capabilities more directly onto the camera? Yes, yes. So, so right now we have a camera that's a high-speed camera that can do 2,000 frames per second, and we can do more processing in the camera than we can on a high-end Intel. Now, that requires us as engineers to do that, and that's fine, we take people's algorithms and that's what we do, so that's our specialty, right? So if somebody's got some crazy algorithm, call me, right? Because this is what I love, right? Give me a, you can't be too hairy or nasty, because I'm like, ooh, what's that? You know, I like that, ooh, this is fun. But we can then say, ah, okay, maybe trim this, trim this, and we can do that part in the camera. And we can do it at this frame rate. That way we can, we can do the processing, respond to what we see on the image really quickly. Frank, so if you think of a, a, what they classically call a control loop, I have a, a stimulus coming in, I do some processing, I have some control going out. So that, that loop of processing and control has to be really, really fast. So if I'm trying to, to, to guide something mechanical, or I'm trying to change some power, I can do that in, in an FPGA really, really quickly as between frames, even at 2,000 frames per second. So we can handle 40 gig of processing, do that processing, do that response, control power, control actuators really quickly before the frame comes in. Now, if you take that all the way back to a computer, well, you gotta go from the camera to the transceivers, to the frame grabber, to the processor over the PCIe bus, back to the frame grabber, and then back to what you're controlling. So, so if you really wanna have that control loop really, really quick, mm. you gotta push it to the edge. So that, that's really where things are gonna be, the value add is, because like, well, I can't wait that long. Like, I have to respond. It, it, and in, in reality, if you can do it in software, I tell my customers, do it in software. Like, don't, don't put it in an FPGA, it's great. But if you can't, that's when, if you're running over a, a gigabit per second and over a giga operation per second, you're, you have to do a GPU or an FPGA mm. or an adaptive compute module. <laughs> so, so the benefit is response time and speed. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the applications yeah. where that kind of speed and response times are, are required? Sure, so some of the, the applications uh, if you're controlling a laser mm -hmm. and you want to change classically melt pool, mo mo melt pool uh, monitoring mm -hmm. is a good application where I'm trying to control the, the power of the laser and the more that I put on the laser, that pool gets bigger or smaller. I, I didn't put enough power in, so I'm, I can detect that, I can push it back. That, that's an example. If I'm trying to look at, I see an event, I want to trigger based off of an event, maybe I'm gonna trigger some other system, and we're doing the processing that we've seen that. We've seen it with um, high-speed uh, moving, things that move very quickly that we wanna capture and react to. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's some things in the defense space that we care about there. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought you might have been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some, 
you know, beyond AI, what are some of the applications, like you mentioned it, like frame rates are getting, are getting um, higher and resolutions are getting higher. And, and a lot of these applications, um, you know, we spoke to somebody yesterday in the AR, VR space and some folks in hyperspectral and you're just dealing with a lot of data. Uh, what are some other applications that, you know, folks that you've worked with where large amounts of data are required and, and you know, you've been able to help them? Sure. So if you think about um, one of our, our demonstrations is a 3D um, extraction, so 3D metrology. So where you're passing a laser over an object and what you're doing is you're actually detecting the height of the laser and calculating that because you've got you've got the camera facing down, you've got the laser coming at, at an angle or the other way around, doesn't matter. But they're at different angles. And then we can compute based off of the pixel height. Like a profile. Oh, a profile at that one point, and then the thing, and then the object moves. And so what we did was we put all of that in the camera. So we're not actually sending back the image at all. Mm. We're just sending back the height. So all of a sudden you've got a, a 2D image that we process down into a, a one-dimensional sets of values that we, is part of the image. So now you, you send back the height map rather than sending back the image. And so we've taken the data, done the calculations, and you can tune the calculations. Like, oh, I want this algorithm to be parameterizable. Sure, can you parameterize C code? Of course you can. Well, that's a register. You put that in there, I can tune the register, and so we can do different things. We can do different algorithms center of gravity, we can do other ways of detecting height and getting rid of noise. You, when you say things like, can you parameter, parameterize C code? Sure, and like it's obvious to <laughs> it's <a> German race. <laughs> to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Right, but, um, what else, John, uh, any, any follow up there? I don't wanna. I just, so you're talking like, you know, you could output a volume. Yeah, like, yeah. Profile, calculate right. whatever volume it is based off the plane. Right. So, so if you think about where, where sensors are going, right, we're, we're seeing 150 megapixel images, mm -hmm. right? You know, they're running 5, 10 frames a second. Well, that's a lot of pixels. We're into the gigapixel per second, right? So it's like, wait a second. Okay, who's going to process that? Yeah. I mean, do you really need all of that? Who's going to look at that? Well, you need it for a certain snapshot in time. You need certain key pieces of it. And so we're talking about AI and how do I grab that piece of information put to the AI engine, either we put it at the edge, right? Or we're extracting the things of interest, we're filtering it down. So we're not gonna, our, our AI engine can't handle it. You so, wanna send all the data. Yeah. You just wanna send the important data. So, so AI, just, just so everybody knows, is we essentially are extracting every feature we can think of that we know how to compute. This is very simplified, so you know, don't don't shoot me later, right? <laughs> you know, it's a nasty camera. Oh, it's not AI. He doesn't know what you're talking. About. No, no, it's simplified, just at a high level. If we look at you know like AlexNet or some of the other uh, inferences, it, uh, we can extract features from the image. Okay, so let's say I, well, I'm looking for an edge. I'm looking for a corner. Well, I may be looking for an edge here or here or here or here or here. Okay, so those those are ex edge extraction passes on the image. So then I take this one frame and I'm making another frame and another frame and another frame, another frame, another frame. And I'm making 60 different frames with 60 different features. And then I'm saying, okay, well maybe I want features of those features combined together. Or and then I want to finally put weights on them. So the compute, you've taken one frame of an image 
and you're turning into hundreds of frames that you're processing. So the compute load on AI is enormous. Mm. So they always have the smaller images, so you can actually do it. You can't take a 150 megapixel image and say, oh, I'm gonna put this in my AI engine. There's no way. I mean, you could, but it's gonna take forever, literally, right? So you gotta break it down into different regions. So if you I should push to the edge, we can push some of that, compute, find the gold, and then find out uh, what kind of gold is it. Yeah. Are there any applications, say, in, in barcode reading uh, for the, this type of edge computing? Sure. Because, you know, you're talking about edge detection, and I know, you know, like a data matrix code would have the, you know, finder pattern. Absolutely. The L shape. Yes. And, and, you know, in logistics and warehousing, these things are flying by at they are. hundreds of meters a minute, you know, and... Uh, they have to be very quick, and they're taking a whole high-res image, let's say, because they have a big wide belt, right. meter-wide belt that they need to cover, but there's only a barcode here and maybe one here, you know, right. so they can find the barcode, extract that data, and then do the decoding. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So if I'm doing edge detection, I'm looking for lines, yeah. or I'm looking for lines that are, I'm actually, maybe I'm looking for two lines that are Arrow. close to each other within a certain number of pixels which is typically how they're going to do it, because that gives you a local window operator. You can push that over the whole image. You're like, aha, I found something. And then you say, well, I found something in this region. And then you can extract that image and send it to the back-end processor. Or in these adaptive compute devices, I now have two processors on the chip. Maybe I want to do it there. Absolutely. Barcode is, is actually one of the easier ones, because it's nice and regular. Right? But if we're looking at... Uh, um, looking at cell deformation or looking into bio like okay well i'm trying to find the circularity of a cell so they do this they they, they shoot a, a cell into this pressure chamber essentially and uh, on a chip and they see how the cell deforms and then what they know and i don't know this but they know that if you deform it under this certain pressure this kind of cell stays more round this one goes flat or and they can characterize circularity of that cell going down. So it's really cool stuff, all at really crazy high frame rates. Right, yeah. So you're saying maybe AI isn't required for barcodes because it's too regular. It's too regular, yeah, it, it's, it's well established. And there are algorithms to do that. Okay. So AI is like really exciting when you want to do a classifier. And a classifier means, hey, I, I want to know, is it one of these five things? And, and this one may be none of the above. Right, and that's okay. And so we're gonna say, okay, well, you know, does it look like a, a car for a, a person or an animal or a tree? It's just simplified, right? So I can classify that image and I can say, well, it's most like this. And I can have a certainty that it's, oh, that's definitely it. And so we're looking at certainty and that's where all these AI models come in and training. So we can say, aha, I can definitely classify high certainty. This is what it is. And did we know how we did it? No. That's the cool part, right? It's like statistics, right? W without actually knowing how we did it, we're doing training and, and it's doing, looking at all these features and adding weights to these features and the system through training is doing that. And it's really cool. Like, so you can, you can classify all sorts of things. So if you, if you need to do a classifier, AI is, is perfect. Mm. Is there, yeah, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, AMD, the future of AMD this year is going to be a lot with AI, but I'm curious in terms of AI and, you know, any other predictions you might have, like, is there anything you see as being like a, a market that's kind of ripe for adoption or increased adoption when it comes to AI? But 
That's a good question. That's quite a huge field. In the industrial sense. Yeah, yeah, the industrial. Um, yeah. Well, we work with certain customers, so I can't talk to all of those things. So uh, <laughs> that's usually where I get my insight as to, oh, okay. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take a pass on that one. <laughs> no crystal ball. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I, I, you know, that would get into. So we work with a lot of customers, and AI is definitely, and it's a mix. It's not just AI by itself. It's sure front end processing. So think about AI is, if I give you a noisy image, or I give you a bad image, maybe bad lighting. We're at Photonics West. If you don't have good lighting and you don't have good lenses, you've got a crappy image and then the processing has to deal with the crappy image. Okay, well, we need to then do everything we can to improve that image. And there's some front-end processing we can do. We, maybe we're smoothing things out. Maybe we know in the environment that's, you know, I, I want to get rid of something, I want to even out my light. And we can do that deterministically without AI, but then we're getting it all ready. So now my AI has a cleaner image and it can do a better job. So garbage in, garbage out. Right. So we definitely see more uh, image processing, traditional image processing going into the camera. While that may not be AI, it's absolutely necessary for AI. And then with AMD, with their adaptive compute, there's a plethora of stuff out there. So if you take uh, PyTorch algorithms, which is a language you can define AI in, or, or uh, deep neural nets in, you can actually compile that into what's called a DPU, which is a DNN processing unit inside the FPGA. So it can actually be right in there. We've done this for a number of algorithms. Um, somebody wanted, we looked at uh, some vibration analysis. And we thought, oh wow, we can actually predict when something's going to fail based off of the vibration that we're seeing now. And that's kind of obvious, but then you're like, well, well, what is that? Well, how do I know? Well, I don't know. We, we, we train the system, right? <laughs> this is the cool part, right? It's like, it's not like we're, we're going in blind, but we're going in, well, we know that there's something going on here. We're not really sure. Maybe we can train it to classify it. Is it this? Is it that? And, and, and you can. And that's the cool part. That's why I think everybody's like, oh my, it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve everything. We're going to just be sitting on our couches. No. <laughs> Yeah, and then these models are only as good as the data they're trained with. You see, so, you know, as this we talked about this yesterday, but there's so much talk of, you know, it's it, mainly robots, but it, it, automation technologies are going to take our job. Well, no, <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, still requires human input, human in the loop, people to operate these systems, troubleshoot them. We're going to just do more. Yeah, that, that's what we're going to end up doing because you know we we have the workforce. We're going to apply the workforce. Right, so maybe we're going to be doing more intelligent things. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean, and then there's some things that are, robots are just not good at yet. You know, you look at food service, you look at that, you know, there's all sorts of things that human interaction, we need that. Yeah. And it's not that it's only food service, but that's a great example of something that's like, you know, it, it, you can't you can't get a robot in there. And maybe it's going to deliver your food on a little robot. And we've seen that. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, really? <laughs> so I want a robot that can fold my clothes. There you go. That's a tough AI. <laughs> well, and if it was slow, it wouldn't matter as long as I don't have. Yeah, that, <laughs> you can be fold clothes 24 seven. Right. Yeah, right. Because I'm happy. It'd be great. Just make it magic. We want some magic. Yeah. How about a how about a robot that can 
plow my driveway oh, and yeah. snow blow. Oh yeah, it's, right? That'd be nice. Right, while it's snowing and I'm sleeping and just, yeah. I come up my driveway, it's all done. That'd be great. Be great. Uh, Ray, anything else that we didn't ask about? We've, we've covered a good amount here, but. No, I've, so there are really some cool products coming out with high resolution images. Uh, SVS has a 151 megapixel camera. They also have a, um, a 600 frame per second uh, a camera that's off a 25 gig E. So like, so pushing the envelope higher speeds. We have um, a GigaSense, we call it, um, camera that actually we can put compute inside the camera and we're just, you know, hey, what would you like to do? So this is, this is the exciting part for us is, I don't know how fast you want to go. If we ROI down, we can do 80,000 frames a second and do compute at the same time. I don't care. So this is the fun stuff. So my, my guy, all right, if, if you have gigabit per second processing to do, this is what we do. And this is the fun stuff. So I love to talk with people, you know, just to give you know, advice or feedback. And then if they want to move forward with a high speed, that's, that's what we do. We love it. Yep. How can people uh, get in touch with you? Uh, they can send an email to uh, info at concurrenteda.com and myself and someone else gets it so that that way uh we i don't drop the ball <laughs> so yeah and, and obviously he said it but you can visit concurrenteda.com to learn more and uh yeah if you have any questions for us or for ray you can would we'd be happy to pass them along it's uh manufacturing-matters.com uh yeah reach out anytime questions comments concerns whatever so thanks for listening or watching